Spin 103.8. You're welcome back to Spin Talk with Lauren. I'd be really interested to hear your thoughts today on shock collars for dogs because the ISPCA are calling for them to be banned here in Ireland. If you have ever used one or you know someone who's used one, I promise no judgment. I would just like to hear why. You know, was it recommended to you? Maybe um, was a dog particularly difficult to train and this was the only way. Um, I spoke also about negative reinforcement and positive reinforcement and we'll talk about that in a few moments with um, with our guest from the Irish Kennel Club, Sean Delmar, because there, I think definitely nowadays more people tend to jump on the whole positive reinforcement wagon and, and to make time to bring their dogs to puppy school when they're small and to teach them, you know, how to behave. Um, it's not always the case. And I think if we look back, you know, in the past, we probably didn't treat pets as well as we do nowadays. We're better educated now, you know. So I would love to hear from you if you have ever used anything like a shock collar on a dog. Get involved. I'm on 087-711-1038. Do you think they should be banned here in Ireland? That's what we're asking today on Spin Talk. Well, my next guest is the president of the Irish Kennel Club, Sean Delmar. Hi, Sean. Hi, Lauren. Good afternoon to you and your listeners. Good to have you on the show today. Sean, for anyone who doesn't know what a shock collar is, would you mind just enlightening us? Tell us what they are and how they work. Yeah, they're, they're presented as being a training method for dogs for various things. Uh, the first one would be uh, like a remote control handle. In other words, there's a collar on dog that takes a signal from a remote control thing handled by the handler. And the idea of this is a dog is excessive barking down the back of the garden. You press a button and he gets a, a bit of a shock. Uh, or he's jumping and lapping around the place on top of people. Same thing. Or for any kinds of unsocial behavior. This is what the, the concept of those is and the other ones are uh, they're an automatic for uh, their uh, venue orientated to, to confine them in an area and they're tied into maybe a, a, an electric fence around the area yeah and the idea of that being is that as soon as a head motion in the dog goes like barking they wave their hair up and head up and down uh, it gives them a little shock uh, or if they're confined to an area when they go to go outside the area, it sends a shock to the collar that gives them a shock. And the, the concept is that they don't go outside the area. Okay. Um, the trouble with this is that... One. Sorry, yeah. sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think people will have heard of the electric fence one a bit more yeah. than the remote yeah. control one, for example. But sorry, go on. The problem you were saying. Yeah, the, the problem with this is that... <laughs> This is all punishing the dog, really, and and that never works. It really doesn't. Punish the behaviour, yes, but there's ways of doing it, and we certainly don't agree with any form of electric treatment because uh, it is a punishment and it's a pain infliction of pain, even though people might say it's only a mild thing. The bottom line is you are punishing the dog. Um, Animals choose us. We didn't choose them. They choose us. Dogs in particular choose us. And that's why they're man's best friend. They're called that. They just want to please. And the only way you'll get a dog to do anything or behave is by showing him that you're pleased with him. And once he gets to the point that he's pleased, and the only type of uh, control he should get is show your displeasure with him. Not by an electric collar, by just firm. Anyone who saw Barbara Woodhouse a few years ago, a stern no. So the dog is aware you're not happy with what he's doing and his correction. All of our top class competitors in obedience purely and simply work on that principle of reward and show, show of displeasure. That's it. Dogs just want to please. That's the way to train them, not this way. Can I ask, Sean, you mentioned the remote control. So if a dog is excessively barking and maybe you're living in a housing estate and you have this remote control and you click a button and it gives the dog a shock, does the dog even understand 
that it, it's doing something wrong. Like, it's just barking. Like, they, they do that. That's the whole con- the problem is that you're punishing the dog. The dog doesn't relate. He just, and the the thought there is that by association, he'll say, ooh, I better not do that again. Every time I bark, I seem to get something happens to me. I get this pain in my neck. And also, if you have two dogs, it can work into the other one as well beside you. You know what I mean? So it's not the way to do it, really. You have to find a dog that's barking consistently like that usually is bored mm. or needs a little bit of company or something like that. That's really why they do it. They don't just do it for the sake of it. Yeah. Another another aspect that they can work, dogs can be very clever. They're great adopters. And some of them, they will adopt that, and that won't work. So they won't bark because they know if they move their head, it's the motion of moving their head and the guttural sound uh, creates the shock. So what they will do, they learn how to howl nice, silent, eerie howls, which doesn't require any vibrations, or and with the result, <laughs> it doesn't give them a shock. Okay, yeah, they are very clever. Um, talk to me a bit about behavioural issues as a result of using these shock collars, Sean, because I understand this can be a problem. Well, a dog, first of all, you can get burned, and I know people who say, no, it's only a mild electric shock, but there are cases where they can have been burned by them, so there is that physical element of, of it too. A dog that's trained like that is going to end up doing it because, and it's a reaction out of fear. He's not doing it because he wants to do it. The idea of proper obedience, proper training, is that the dog actually wants to do it. He changes his behavior because he wants to please you. Any dog that's been trained changes his behavior because of pain inflicted. It's not really training. It's just reacting. It's just going to basic level. But the only way, in our opinion, from the kennel point of view, to train a dog is to get him to do it because he thinks you want him to do it and he wants to please you. That's the basic concept of all dog training. Now, I mentioned, Sean, that people might bring dogs to puppy school and to behaviour classes. Do you think there's enough of these classes available? Like, if we're really, if we're really serious about banning these shock collars, like, what are the alternatives for people? Yeah, um, there probably isn't enough, and I think socialisation classes and help, and I don't mean intensive um, things where you have to pay a fortune and your dog is kind of bought in like going to school or university, but there are basic levels of people who can give you advice like that. And from our point of view, most of our uh, responsible breeders would be able to give that type of advice. But yes, I think people who have a dog, when they must train them. It's like everything else. They must learn. They must find classes, uh, socialization classes. Uh, and if you have to, if you have a dog, do go to one of these um, handling experts to get that type of advice. You will find that they will not train the dog. They'll train you. Yeah. That's the problem all along because what happens sometimes people bring to a trainer, the trainer trains the dog, the dog understands when he sees the trainer, he pleases the trainer, does what the trainer says and everything's fine and he goes home and he's allowed to slip back into his old habits but like a child, he knows how to play the mother and he just, or the father, and he just plays on them, and all the training is wasted. So the main thing is that people listen to what the trainer, if they are getting advice, listen to the person who knows what they're talking about, listen to the advice, and do it religiously. Don't just say, oh, well, that was then, he's out of school, now he can play now. Dogs will play on you if you don't. You have to be quite firm when they're young. Sean, really good to speak to you today on Spin Talk. Thank you so much for your time. Not at all. You're more than welcome, Norm. Thank you. Um, that is the president of the Irish Kennel Club, Sean Delmar. And yeah, some really interesting points there. And I would love to hear your experiences. I know a lot of people are sharing theirs already on the Spin 1038 Facebook page um, about shock collars and also the electric fences that Sean mentioned. So 
there is um there's two different types or three different types you mentioned one is like the remote control um operated shock collar another is that if um the dog moves in a certain way there is a sensor hooked up so maybe if you're out and the dog is barking the the sensor will cop that the dog is barking excessively and it will get a shock and then the other is the electric fence so a lot of people might think of them for safety reasons to keep a dog within a confined space maybe you know your dog wants to get away but you know as Sean said dogs bark and dogs tend to get up to mischief when they're bored so rather than treat the problem they're calling um, on us to 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 you know think about the cause why is the dog barking excessively why is it behaving badly get involved in the conversation today lots of people are having their say already I would love to hear from you do you think shock collars for dogs should be banned here in Ireland have you ever used anything similar can you understand the reasoning behind it and if you've ever trained a dog how did you go about doing it what are your thoughts on the opinion that if you can't train a dog you shouldn't have one I'm on 087 711 Oh, hey, you're welcome back to Spin Talk with Lauren. Lots of people having their say today on shock collars for dogs. And look, totally open to opening up the conversation. We don't just have to talk about shock collars. A few people have texted in about choke collars and halties are a thing I know a lot of people use for dogs that um, tend to pull an awful lot. And because you don't want them to choke themselves on their collar, the halties are quite handy for controlling them. I don't think halties hurt them, though. Um, whereas a shock, obviously, a lot of people say they're not painful, but it's still like a little electric shock. It might frighten the dog, cause them some distress. So your thoughts and opinions, please. 087-711-1038. Danielle is on the line. Hi, Danielle. Hi, how are you? I'm good, thank you very much. Danielle, you got in touch because you use um, particular collars for your dogs. Yeah, I use the electric. Two, I have two dogs and I use. Um, I train them fully. They're already trained, but they use the two electric shock collars each. Okay, and are they, these the collars that you control by remote control, or are they are they responsive Basically, to the fence? Um, our house is on an acre, and it's fully fenced and it's fully enclosed. The, the dogs don't have a way out. But when I was moving to the country, first thing I was worried about was other dogs in heat that they could smell, that they could dig underneath, and secondly, obviously, farm animals. I didn't want the dogs chasing sheep or the rest of cattle and also there's a main road about one mile away from my house. Okay. So I made the hard decision of getting electric collars and I purchased the collars for a good expensive amount and basically you run a wire around the perimeter of the property Mm -hmm. and as they get close to the wire it beeps giving them a signal to say that they're getting close to this wire and there's all flags so the dogs kind of associate the flags to shocking them. Okay. And then once they get closer, and obviously if they get too close, um, it shocks them. But there's basically one to five settings. When we were training them, we did six weeks of training. So the first week it was setting number one. I had to bring one dog up to the perimeter, up to a flag, let him get shocked, and he ran back. And then do the same with the second dog. Next week it was shock number two. Next week, shock number three. And the last week then, it was shock number five, which the dog did yelp and he ran away. But since that last week of training, they're down at shock number one now and they've not stepped within 10 feet of the perimeter. Danielle, was that really hard, putting them through that? Oh yeah, it was hard, like it was desperate. But I, at the end of the day, my decision was, I don't want to pull up someday and have two dead dogs outside the gate shot or ran over by a car. 
This and is the I, thing. Like when you live in the countryside, growing up, one of our dogs was shot by a farmer and it's horrific. Like It is horrific. And really I had horrific. to make the decision at the end of the day. That was a hard six weeks. Look, they got one shock a day or one shock a day for the six weeks. But now if you see them, even if my gate's opened, they'll stand back at the house. They won't even go near it. And sometimes, even if I don't have their collars on, they still don't go near it. They've just associated the flags with the shock. Okay. Now, you mentioned that they were well-trained anyway. Like, did you trust them as it was, or did you you just weren't going to take any chances? I I trust them 100%, but just if I was popping out, or if I was going, like, down to a friend's house or whatever, I just, if I know that double stick, it's fully fenced anyway, they would have to dig to get underneath. What about leaving them inside, Danielle? Well, it's not ideal, do you know what I mean? My, okay. They're outside, they're two boxers, so um, okay. I wouldn't have a house left. Yeah, but, I think like, yeah, there's certain breeds that are a bit more you know destructive. I mean? like, yeah. yeah, like it's like if it was a Bijan Freeze, you could say you could leave them in the house, but they're, they've always been outside, they love outside, they have an acre to run around, and I think it's for their own health and well-being and my own peace of mind that I don't think, I don't agree with. I know it's hard. You think, oh, you're shocking your dogs, it's cruelty to animals. But I 100% would die without my dogs. And I have to say, you, you make a good argument and it sounds like you did it responsibly, Danielle. Like yeah. You're not like oh, trigger happy I, with I, the remote. I rang like six different trainers on how, what's the best way to do it. I didn't want my dog's behaviour changing because I read up reading about how dogs can react differently. They change. But no, 100% um, for their own safety and my peace of mind, it's the best, thing I've, the best money I've ever spent. All right, Danielle, lovely to speak to you today. Thank you for coming on. Thanks a million. Good to have you on the show. What do you think? Like, as I said, Danielle makes a good argument and it does honestly sound like she did it as responsibly as possible and I don't think anyone could argue um, she's mad about her dogs, you know? And as she said, it was six tough weeks. But imagine something happened to them. You couldn't live with yourself. Circa is next on the line. Hi, Circa. Hi. Um, thanks so much for coming on. What are your thoughts on these callers, Circa? Um, I think, I like, I don't fully agree with them. I think if you can train a dog to do something or not do something without it then go for it but I think a lot of owners now Danielle said like she used it really responsibly and I that's absolutely fine the dogs have learned but I think a lot of times even with choke collars and stuff people use them as a punishment you know the dog's doing something and they'll pull back and it'll hurt them or it'll shock them or something Um, and that's not really how a dog should learn you know that they shouldn't learn out of pain or something. So mm-hmm. I think if you're able to train them and bring them to a class, do that yeah. and do it young. Because a lot of times, if you can't handle a dog, you shouldn't own it. Like it's it, you like you can have a dog, but might that might not be the dog for you? Yeah, I think. Um, you know, like what you were saying, like Daniela, it sounds like she was really responsible about it. She's mad about her dogs, but she's also aware of where they live. It's in the countryside. There's farm animals around. There's a main road. It's for their own protection, she feels. Um, but you reckon like choke collars and things just that, you know, might be convenient for people who don't need them. You don't buy that. I, I don't think so. Like I've been hurt by dogs now, not because they're being aggressive. I have a girl dog and any dogs that have actually hurt me have been male and not neutered and their owners have been males and nowhere in sight when the, when I needed help. Um, so I have scars and stuff from these dogs. Oh my gosh, but what like, happened to you? I was like, my dog is small, she gets scared when there's other dogs, so if I have to pick her up, the only way to get to her is through me. Yeah. So 
they then end up scraping and biting me to try and get to her. And I don't blame the dog. They've just, they're not being controlled. Like, they shouldn't be off a lead. Their owner should be there with them. Yeah. So, shock collar wouldn't be the way I'd go. I think just disciplining, well, not disciplining, but, you know, training your dog and being aware yourself on how to handle a situation properly. All right, Sarka, lovely to speak to you today. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks very much. Good to have you on the show. Um, yeah, I think, and you know what, we could talk about dogs being on leads all day. I know there's so many different opinions on that. Um, but, you know, as Sarka says, if you're not anywhere near your dog and they're going to jump up, they're just going to do what a dog does. As Sarka says, I don't blame the dog. They're just being dogs. But you need to be responsible for them. And like so many conversations we have about pet ownership, it just comes down to being a responsible pet owner. There are loads of messages coming through. Let me get through some of them. Uh, William says these should be banned for dogs. However, for some humans, they would be useful for behavior modification. Uh, Vicky says, yes, they should definitely be banned. They're cruel. Train your dog. Don't punish it for your ineptitude. And I would have been of the same opinion, um, Vicky. But then listening to Danielle... You know, her dogs were well-trained, but she just didn't want to take any risks when they moved to where they live in the countryside. There's farms around, there's a main road, you know, they're two boxers, they want to be outside, they want to run around. And she was like, I trust them, but you can't trust dogs not to chase sheep. And as I said, like when you live in the countryside, that's something you need to think about. Like when I was growing up, a dog of ours was shot by a farmer down the road and it's the most devastating thing ever. It's so horrific and as Danielle said, she just wasn't going to take that risk. What do you think? Get involved in the conversation. You can text her WhatsApp. I'm on 087-711-1038. I'm not going to lie, I've kind of having spoken to Danielle who was on the line a couple of minutes ago, I have started to understand um, maybe for safety reasons why people might use them and a lot of people are commenting on the Spin 1038 Facebook page particularly people with larger dogs who might like to be outdoors, like Danielle's two boxers. Um, someone was commenting about their husky, saying, look, if she wants to run around outside, this is the, what will keep her safe, and she won't run outside the perimeter of our property, you know? And, like, people are saying, look, they're, they're torture devices, but a lot of people who use them are saying, look, it's not for fun, but the dog does learn, right, don't go near that fence. Get involved in the conversation. I'm on 087-711-1038. Kelly is on the line. Hi, Kelly. Hello, hi, how are you? I'm good, thank you very much. Kelly, what are your thoughts on the shock collars? Um, in regards to the shock collars, I basically think they are torture to a dog and I do think they should be banned. Um, a dog barks for a reason. It's obviously looking for attention or it's looking to go out on a walk or something. So as I would consider my dog like a child, I if there's something wrong with it, then you go and try to fix the problem and not shock it. Yeah, like Sean, I'm uh, sorry, your line isn't the best, Kelly. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can hear Oh, it's not that, I might just pass you back to Rachel just for one sec because there's a good bit of interference on the line and we might try and get her back. Um, but Sean had made that point. We spoke to Sean Delmar, he's the president of the Irish Kennel Club and he was saying, you know, if a dog is excessively barking, people can use the remote control um, collars and so you give it, you press it and it gives the dog a shock. But what a lot of people are arguing, it kind of sounds like Kelly's argument, is if the dog is barking, it's barking for a reason, you know, rather than just tell it not to bark. And sometimes as well, I think dogs tend to just understand that you're mad or understand that something negative is happening, but they don't necessarily understand why you're mad about it, you know. So 
I think that's why a lot of people are talking about positive reinforcement. Kelly should be back on the line. Hi, Kelly. Hi, I'm still here again. Ah, uh, that's um, way better. You, you're you're kind of in the camp of positive reinforcement, Kelly. From what I can gather. Oh, definitely. I think they should be banned. Um, like dogs have uh, different breeds, um, different personalities. If you if you're a real dog lover, you would take the time and the patience to train the dog up, understand why it's barking, and correct it cr- uh, properly, like you would do with a child. So that's my opinion on it, really. And what do you think, Kelly, of an argument like Danielle's? And I have to say, a few people are in agreement with her on our Facebook page. When people have larger dogs and maybe they're living in the countryside, you know, it's to protect the dog. It's to make sure they don't wander out onto the road or onto farmland. Well, to, uh, to be honest, I don't I don't live down the country or anything like that. So I wouldn't really have an opinion on a shock fence. But if it's to keep them safe, then fair enough. But shock fence and a shock collar, two different things. Okay, Kelly, lovely to speak to you. Thanks for coming on. All right, thanks for having me. Take care. Um, Yeah, I think a lot of people have issues with the remote control collars. Um, And what Danielle was saying was, you know, her dogs have collars, but they only, they beep before the dog gets to the fence and they get it within about five foot to alert the dog that they're close to the fence and there's flags as well. So it was a training process. If you didn't get to hear Danielle, it was really interesting, you know, and she had spoken to trainers about how to do it. It was a six-week course on how to educate the dog and how the fence worked and educate herself as well and she said look it wasn't easy hate seeing the dog upset but I'd be a lot more upset if either it got hit by a car or it was shot for chasing sheep so at the end of the day the six weeks was worth it and she said it was the best money she ever spent today I would like to hear from you do you think shock collars electric shock collars for dogs should be banned and I also asked earlier on like if you have other methods of training a dog you know, maybe um, choke collars, people have mentioned halties or other ways. Why did you feel it necessary to, to train the dog in that way? Was there a reason? Was it recommended to you? Let me know. 087-711-1038. Rachel says we have them for fences to keep the dogs in. It's the best invention ever. It means the dogs can be out all day, every day, instead of just for an hour or two in the evenings. Yeah, peace of mind is what a lot of people are saying for the fences. Um, I haven't heard too many people in favour of the remote control electric shock collars. Um, So far, the arguments in favour of have been for the electric fences. Chloe says, I think if anyone feels they want to put a shock collar on an animal, they shouldn't have an animal end of. If they can't commit to train their dogs, they don't deserve one. Animals deserve love and time and there's schools for training too. And yeah, I think that comes back to the whole... um, you know, behavioural thing or if they're excessively barking like the remote control collars. But it sounds like, from the people we've heard who have the fences, it sounds like the dogs are well trained, but it's for their own safety. It's to keep them in because dogs will be dogs. Uh, Emmett says, obviously, ideally, no one wants to use a shock collar, but the fact is that some dogs have really bad behavioural issues. We got a puppy a few years ago, a Springer Spaniel. He is the most hyper dog I've ever encountered. Jumping up on everyone, we couldn't let him off the lead. He would go mad. So our vet recommended the shock collar. It worked so well and he's a lot calmer. He's happier too because we can let him off, etc. Oh, I don't know. Like, and this is the thing. And I suppose I know we spoke to Sean Delmar, who's the president of the Irish Kennel Club. So he was kind of talking about um, breeders. But look, we know so many people adopt their animals, which is wonderful. And you might adopt a dog, 
that you don't know their history and they might have behavioural issues, but I don't know, as Sean was saying, whether or not these collars are the answer. You know, dogs bark for a reason. They behave a certain way for, for a reason. And they respond much better to positive reinforcement. Um, but look, like it, it worked for your dog. I wonder how much happier he is really, Emmett. But anyway, maybe he's just calmed down and matured. I think dogs tend to calm down um, as well. Jill says, are choke collars and those nose collars not as bad? You've heard a few people mention the choke collars. The nose ones, I've been talking about halties because I know a few people that use them. They don't hurt the dog, but they kind of, because the little strap goes over their nose, they're not like a muzzle, but it just stops the dog pulling as much because particularly like retrievers, they just want to smell everything. They're just going to pull and go. Um, And no matter how well trained they are, you know, they still are dogs. Carmel says, as someone who grew up in the country, a dog that would bark was just giving you a heads up if someone was coming to the house. Dogs are canines. It's in their nature to protect. I wouldn't agree with shocking a dog. It is totally cruel. Yeah, back to the whole barking thing. Like, you would wonder why the dog is barking. Um, You know, don't give out to it just for barking. It's probably barking for a reason. Kira says, yes, definitely they should be banned. There are so many other better ways to train your dog than to shock them. Would you put them on your bold, whiny infants. I can understand people putting them around grass areas of gardens to maintain them and keep the dogs off, etc. But definitely having them on your pet is a disgrace. Well done to Wales for banning them. Yeah, um, they were banned in Wales. They were recently banned in Scotland and the RSPCA are calling for them to be banned here in Ireland. Now, Emily has been in touch on WhatsApp, kind of off topic, but um, she says, Hi Spin, I recommend for anyone who's unsure of getting a dog and is worried about training should get a guide dog puppy. This means that they will train and have the puppy for a year, which will then go on to help someone who is blind or has an autistic child. A child with autism. Sorry. Uh, All food for the dog and training classes are given. If you have a family, goes on holidays, there are other puppy trainers who can look after the dog for you during that time. The puppy is trained for all social situations so they can go on all public transport, into restaurants and shopping centres. I had a guide um, dog puppy when I was eight. It was one of the best experiences I've ever had. Our dog went on to help a child with autism in Sligo for 10 years. Um, Very interesting and um, good to know. And I think, yeah, like it's just... So difficult. Um, you know, it's a huge responsibility to bring a dog into your life. So that's a good suggestion from Emily. Thank you, Emily. Back to um, shock collars and people who use them and the different reasons people use them. Alana is on the line. Hi, Alana. Hi, how are you? Good, thank you very much. Now, Alana, I understand you use a shock collar. Yeah, I do. Um, so basically, like, one point I just wanted to make is the dog will only get really get shocked once and then they learn their boundaries. So my dog, we lived in the town and he wasn't used to being outside in big areas. And then when we moved to the country, um, obviously we had, like, a big area around the house, but we were always afraid that he'd venture onto the road because he wasn't used to that kind of freedom and that kind of space. So um, we got a collar, for, a shock collar, and put it all around the front of the house because it's a really busy road and there's lorries not passing. So we were really nervous he'd go out and obviously be killed on the road. Um, and once he got shocked once, he knew his boundaries then. And now he goes out, he plays all around the house, and he never goes onto the road. And we don't even have the shock collar still on him. He just remembers from that time. Right, now, very, very interesting that you got in touch, Alana, because earlier we spoke to a caller called Danielle and I was saying, would you not just leave the dog inside? And she was saying, oh, we have boxers. She was like, you know, they like being outdoors and they're quite like, certain breeds are a bit more destructive than others. And she said, you know, if it was a Bichon Freeze, I'd leave it inside. You have this, your dog is a Bichon Freeze. 
My dog is a Bichon, yeah. Now, he is inside, like, during the day because he just likes his home comforts and he's happy to do that. But it's just so comfortable. When people come to the house, we can open the door. If he runs out into the, into the yard or the garden, it's fine. Um, whereas in the last house, when he did that, we'd have to, like, run out after him or trying to be closing the door because we were so afraid he'd go onto the road. Okay. But, yeah, once, like, we could leave him out all day, but he just, we prefer not to, you know. Yeah, and I think the general um, advice is, like, when you can keep dogs inside, keep them inside. They're safer inside and they want yeah, to be inside. exactly. Um, but it is, like, I, I don't know, I, that kind of just made me laugh a bit because, you know, you do, you think of huskies and boxers and, you know, large dogs having these collars. You don't necessarily think of a Bichon Freeze having one. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And he just, he loves being outside. And even when we were outside at the weekends or even little things like cutting the grass, now he can go out, be outside with us because generally they just want to be with people. So we just, we had, we couldn't possibly fence off like the huge area. So all we could do was just put that along the road. Yeah. So now we're happy that he's out. He can't get onto the road and he can wander around the whole time. And he loves it. And even people calling now, they're not trying to like get into the house sideways in case they let the, leave the door open and let the dog out, you know, yeah, that kind yeah. of way. So yeah, no, I definitely recommend them. And I think people think it's, it's you know, it's kind of, it's cruel and that because the dog will like be repeatedly getting shocked, but they actually don't. Like they will learn. They might get shocked once, twice, but they will learn. And, you know, as I said, he's out now without a collar on him and he still wouldn't pass the boundary. Okay. Alana, really good to speak to you today. Thanks for coming okay, on. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for your time. Uh, that is a good point. And I suppose Danielle kind of made that earlier on when she was training her dog that, you know, they get the, the one shocker, you train them and then that's it. Like they, they've no never to go near that fence again. I wonder, is it a constant fear? You know, I'm like, I don't know what it's like to be inside a dog's brain, but is it something that they're always terrified of? Naomi says, hey, Spin, I can't phone in because I'm actually out walking three dogs at the moment. Oh, the dream, Naomi. Um, but I just wanted to say quickly that I personally think that anyone who needs to rely on electric shock to keep their dog under control simply hasn't put the time and effort into training them. I'm in the dog business and I know plenty of huskies who are in the right hands and don't feel the need to jump a fence. Blaming the breed isn't an excuse. The blame is on the owner. Your dog shouldn't want to run away from you. A smart way to prevent wandering dogs is to neuter them and then to walk them in the mornings and give them your attention. Having a dog out the back 24-7 isn't a life for them and it's no wonder they try to escape. Saying that dogs will be dogs isn't an excuse to shock them. I'm against choking and prong collars too because I've trained hundreds of dogs and puppies to have leash manners without these tools and instead of using a suitable harness with positive reinforcement techniques. Again, these tools are people taking the easy way out. So much damage to be done to the dog's throats with these Halties at least don't hurt them and can be used for training, but shouldn't be used long term. Very, very interesting to hear your perspective on that, Naomi, as a dog trainer and dog walker. Um, Halties, a lot of people have mentioned them today and I've mentioned them a few times as well. Um, It's not like a muzzle. It's just that the lead kind of there's an attachment to the lead that goes over their nose. So particularly with dogs with long snouts, so like a retriever or Labrador, dogs are going to be sniffing everything. It just gives you a bit more control because they can be quite strong as well. However, Kate has weighed in to say, I use a shock collar as well, used responsibly. There is absolutely no problem with them. I think the general consensus today is if you are living out in the countryside and we've heard from two callers now in particular who live on main roads, with farms in the area for the dog's own safety, they have um, fences around the perimeter. 
And it sounds like both have, have used them very, very responsibly. This listener says, we had a Peonies mountain dog, lovely dog. We loved her. But when she goes out the back, she barks at everything because she's protecting us. We put an electric collar on her only for outside the back. We take it off her when she's inside or going for a walk. It was to help stop her barking. It didn't harm her and half the time it didn't work anyway. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, okay, thank you for that. Um, Leanne, oh yeah, I read that one out earlier on. That's the husky. The husky loves to wander around and so the the shock collar just kind of gives them a bit of peace of mind. Ken says choke collars are just as bad. No, I had no idea. I Like I no doubt the shock actually hurts the dog that much. But what about that spray stuff? You can get them to stop. Oh yeah. So a lot of places don't stock the shock collars, but instead they shock something that will like spray something quite unpleasant in the dog's mouth. Like it's not a nice taste um, if they're barking or they, you know, if you press the button for whatever reason. Um, that's not nice either. And spraying dogs with water, I believe, is something that like is distressing for them. Like if you spray water in their face, that can be upsetting. Uh, Claire says, I have two cats and a dog on the fence collars. They come with instructions on how to train the animals so they learn how to avoid the shocks. My animals don't get shocks from the collars because they're trained to know when the collar beeps that they can't go any further. I'd rather give them a tiny correction than have them killed on the main road where I live. Cats, Claire. Like, cats wander. You know, that's what they do. I don't know how cats would feel about being confined. I know what you're saying. You live on a main road. You don't want them to get hit by a car. But part of like what cats love is to wander around the place anyway really really interesting um, I'm out of time unfortunately but the conversation as always continues on the Spin 1038 Facebook page you can leave your opinions there lots to come in the next hour on Spin Talk Spin Talk with Subway Turkey Breast or Veggie Delight the choice is yours Subway keep discovering Spin 1038